find what you love doing, but be authentic and true to yourself because that way you'll find the most enjoyment. The voice you just heard belongs to Rob Ferrey. Well, if you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rob Frey from Salt Lake City, Utah. I grew up here. I went to East High School, famous for what is called High School Musical. And all throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, I did theater. So I was a theater kid. Who joined me in a conversation about intentionally forwarding an entertainment career, networking, hustling, and most importantly, about authenticity and relationships. I'm your host, Liz Christensen, and it's all in the telling. Welcome to episode 35 with my guest, Rob Ferrey. In the Telling just wrapped up four weeks of Arabian Nights, an original radio drama miniseries. And now we are back with our regular programming. In-depth conversations with storytellers, artists, and entertainers along the Wasatch Front, talking about their process, craft, and passions. The first time Rob Ferrey was ever on stage is a really good example about the drive to learn, experience, and perform that is indicative of Rob's entire career. We're going to go back in the way back time machine. In second grade, I went to Ballet West at the Capitol Theater in Salt Lake City, and I saw a performance of Cinderella, and I saw two young boys holding the train of the queen as she walked in during this ballet, and I leaned over to my friend and I said, they are so lucky. I want to do that. Here's the crazy thing. That has been like who I've been all my entire life. I see people do stuff and I say, I want to do that. Not a year later or two years later, I was on that stage at Capitol Theater performing in Ballet West's performance of Anna Karenina, which is a very sad story. Yeah. But I was the son of Anna Karenina. But that was my first stage performance and I did that in third grade, and that was an awesome opportunity. I want to do that. A short sentence, but it aligns exactly with my approach to so much. I see a thing. I want to do the thing. I do the thing. Maybe not very well at first, but that's what a lot of my other episodes are about. How to do the creative thing well. This episode is a little bit different, though. It's going to be about the work around the creative thing. In short, this episode is about hustle. So back to who I am today. I graduated from high school. I went to Southern Utah University in Cedar City. And I went there because I, I felt my calling was to be there where the Utah Shakespearean Festival was founded. And I wanted to be in that. So I went there with a, in hopes of getting a minor in theater. I didn't pursue that, but I, but I did later pivot and went into TV and broadcast. Like I saw that and I was like, ooh, I want to do that. So I did radio and I did TV. I had my own talk show at SU. Uh, a friend of mine approached me and said, we should pref- do this talk show. And I did it for two years. It was called SUU Live. And it was an awesome opportunity. We produced our own late night style TV talk show where I did a monologue. We brought a guest. We did sketches. It was awesome. And uh, we had the most famous person we had on that show was Clint Howard, which is Ron Howard's little brother. (laughs) Awesome. 
right? And uh, it was an awesome time. So I graduated in 2003 and I was looking for a job in broadcast communications and I couldn't find anything. And I was really desensitized to, to news. Like news was like the only thing. And so what did I do is I, I packed up my bags and I went across the country to work for Walt Disney at Walt Disney World doing the, the college program. So for those of you who don't know this, you can work for Disney under what is called the college program. And they have two internships, one where they put you on the front lines and one where you can work within your field. I didn't know there was a difference. So when I arrive expecting to have this really cool job, I get my letter that has my job. And so it tells you where you're going to work. And I worked, I was working at MGM studios. I'm like, cool. This is where they create the stuff. This is they actually produced the Mickey Mouse Club there. And so it's a, it's a working studio. Little did I know that that working studio was no longer working. It was more of a theme park. When I found out that I was at MGM Studios, I got excited. And then I found out I was in attractions. I'm like, cool, what attraction? And I found out that I was working in the attraction of the parking lot. I'm like, wait, this is an attraction. It was attraction slash operations. So I was in the operations of the parking lot. A background in theater and broadcasting, and now working in the parking lot. But here's the thing about Rob. He's going to make something of working in the parking lot. Not because he knows exactly what that's going to do to his career for the next 10 years, but because Rob is a full-throttle, make-the-most-of-it-have-a-good-time kind of guy. And despite the disparaging comments that sometimes come up in regards to the training and education of artists and entertainers, Rob has a useful set of performance skills. The coolest part about it is I got to drive the tram from the parking lot to the front. Then I also got to be the guy who got to spiel, as we say, spiel, giving uh, the speeches on the back of the tram. Some of them are automated, but I got to do that. And so I wanted to take every opportunity to create fun enjoyment. And so I created my own scripts experiences as people loaded onto the tram and went around the bend and I would point out the bushes and the different parking lots and I'd be like ladies and gentlemen please lower your head watch your step if you don't lower your head please watch your language this is a family theme park and so I wanted to create it into something fun and unique hustle isn't just about making the best of what you have though I think it's about goals and having a vision of what more you want to be doing or what more you want to be capable of. So I went on the Jungle Cruise ride at Walt Disney World at Magic Kingdom. And I went on that ride and I was inspired. Have you ever been on that ride? I did as a kid, but it's been a long time. Okay. So for those of you who have not been on it, it's just this cheesy ride where you're looking at animatronic animals and going through different show scenes. And basically they're just making fun of it. Like the 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 ride at first was serious and they had equity actors and and then it evolved into this big joke and now everybody is in on the joke as we look at animatronic animals and go look at that butterfly with that mechanical wingspan that goes from a whopping 12 inches to a whopping one foot you know things like that uh, we show off the backside of water look out for that alligator over there that's ginger look out because she snaps ginger snaps anyway uh so i saw i was on that ride and i was inspired by that ride right and i and i created my own jungle cruise experience on the tram and then once my college program ended i looked at the jungle cruise and said i want to do that 
and I got the job at the Jungle Cruise three weeks after I applied for a job and I got a job there. But before I graduated from the college program, I performed in the Night of Many Stars or Too Many Stars talent show. And I performed my world famous Polish magic show. His world famous what now? So let's go back to the Wayback Machine. Fifth grade, I saw a performance of a man named James, uh, is it James Arrington? Um, he performed a one-man show called The Farley Family Reunion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? Uh, yeah, I know about so this. So I saw it live, and then we bought the video cassette. In the middle of his performance, this one-man show where he plays everybody at this family reunion, he plays the grandma, the grandpa, the returned missionary, the 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 aunt the the little kid that says the prayer all these different things and they're in this Farley family reunion there's this magic show and it's called the polish magic show and it's this terrible magic show with finger tricks yada 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 and i saw it and i emulated it and i've been doing that magic show all my life in that magic show i performed at talent shows all throughout my life and i performed it at the night of many stars and the guy who was DJing that event saw me. He, his name was Elliot Hansen. And he approached me at a college program event two weeks later where I kept requesting songs. I said, we got to do this song. We got to do this dance. And he took me under his wing. I started working for him. So after the college program was over, I went to the Jungle Cruise. And then I started working at Electromagic with my mentor, Elliot Hansen, where I became a theme park DJ. Never at any point in the telling of his story did Rob mention that he wanted to be a DJ before he was a DJ. But that's where he got, because of a silly talent show magic performance he'd been using since elementary school, and because of being engaged in the music and on the dance floor at the party where someone recognized his abilities and snatched him up. My first job as a DJ was not in a club but working in the queue line at Men in Black at Universal Studios. So while people waited in line outside, sweating, complaining, waiting to get inside the building, I was entertaining them. And so I also worked at the Spider-Man ride. I worked at Mel's Drive-In Diner, and I did private events after hours. And then I also worked at Downtown Disney with Elliot. Um, I worked at uh, SeaWorld doing events there. And so he really trained me. And so... And then about a year into me living in Orlando, this is circa 2004, 2005, I got a job at the Nickelodeon Hotel. But the thing is, once I arrived to Orlando, I thought all these things were happening, like the Nickelodeon studios were going and Universal was working back a lot and you know, MGM studios, all that stuff had died down, but I still found something. And the Nickelodeon Hotel was built, and they took all the people that were at the Nickelodeon studios where they used to do Slime Time Live back in the day, and they took them all over to the hotel. So I started working there. That's where I got my start as a game show host. But I also was the DJ for the nighttime show. And so I was there for about two years, and it was such an awesome opportunity. Okay, and now we add learning and working as a game show host. There were days where I would do a shift at Nickelodeon in the morning doing their breakfast game show. And then in the afternoon, I go do a shift at Universal Studios. And then I do a nighttime shift at Disney. I also worked at the Haunted Mansion. So why when I think of Rob, do I think of Hustle? 
Now I'm not talking traditional definitions of hustle. In our industries, maybe the definition from the Urban Dictionary makes the most sense. Rob has, quote, the courage, confidence, self-belief, and self-determination to go out there and work it out until you find the opportunities you want in life, end quote. So it was a fun opportunity to work for Disney, work at Universal Studios, at the Nickelodeon Hotel. But I got to a point where I was like, I, I felt like I reached my ceiling. I was spinning my wheels. I didn't know what other opportunities there were for me. Plus, there was this girl I was dating. I'm like, I must pursue her and follow her. And I must go back to Utah and take all the knowledge and amazing things that I did at Walt Disney World and bring it to Utah. So I moved back and I started my business in 2007, my DJ business. At the time when I started it, I started it right before you know the recession. Great time to start a business. Um, I also dabbled in education. I wanted, I thought maybe I could be a teacher. You know, that might be something people will want to learn about. And uh, and so I became a substitute teacher, and I I learned quickly that I'm better entertainer than educator. I, I, I swore at a kid once and I was like, yeah, this is probably not for me. I, I do better at educating kids. So uh, over the years, I built my business and then I started bringing DJs onto my platform. And now, you know, what, 13 years later, uh, we've been best of state for our DJ services for five, uh, five years in a row. We do tons of events a year and it's a lot of fun and I have lots of different DJs, but along the way, I've found some other things that I love to do because I'm the kind of guy, once again, going back to earlier, I'm the guy that looks at things and go, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And I started going to DJ conventions. I have to interject here. Last month, I was viewing a webinar from a Tony award-winning producer on Broadway and he was talking about how to make the most of your quarantine time as a theater producer. It was a long webinar, and the part of that information that was useful was really solid information. Some of what people paid good money to hear this producer suggest comes out naturally in the interview I have with Rob. And since I want you to hear what I heard out of Rob's story, let me give you the context I heard it with. One of the first things this producer emphasized was learning. Learning to do new stuff, to do the stuff you already do better, or even just differently. If you've got the time and interest, there are far more opportunities of quality to learn from master artists, storytellers, and entertainers for free or at a discount than prior to this pandemic. A side effect of so many people not being able to do the work they usually do. I went to a DJ convention and I started meeting other DJs from around the world and and. And I wanted to start speaking at these conferences. So I started speaking at these conferences and I saw other, other presenters and seeing the possibilities of what I could do because like, just to be frank, it's not about DJing for me. For some DJs, it's like, ah, oh, it's the music, it's the mixing, it's that. No, for me, it's about being in front of an audience. It's a, it's a, it's a platform to perform and to make money. So <laughs> that's some of the hardest things. People like me, you know, maybe people who are performers who have this in their lifeblood, they, they, they can't quite make a living on it. You know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, people who are performers do it on the side or their hobbyists, or they find something else to complement that. Right. It's, it's really hard if you're not like this 
viral sensation or you're living in Hollywood to make a living as a performing artist. And so DJing was one way for me. But then I started uh, applying and speaking at DJ conferences. And then once I started getting on stage at those conferences, I was like, ooh, I'm good at this. I enjoy this. So I wanted to get into more speaking. I, I also did assemblies for schools. And so I was really pursuing uh, the speaking engagements. And then I found what was called NSA, the National Speakers Association. So now Rob's going down the path of public speaking. Did you catch the gem in that part of the story? There was more of, I want to do that, so I'm going to do that, and continually learning as he goes. But there was also this beautiful nugget of self-actualization. Rob realizes that what he loves about all the things he does is the live audience. And realizing that opens up his work to a greater breadth than if he just stayed with one application of it, just theater or just DJing. Rob knows what he wants out of his work, and he's good at finding that in multiple types of work. Okay, back to the National Speakers Association. And that happened on accident. Like all these things that, like all these trails and different things that happen, I, I swear they're like, but I, you know, whatever they, you have these paths that lead you to where you are, but I swear it was like accidents. You know, for example, I, I joined this group called corporate Alliance. I, I didn't know anything about the corporate world, but I joined this group and it was just this networking group. And I found that group through another group, which was a networking group for weddings. And I got an email and on a whim, it was called women and weddings. And some guys too, you're invited to this wedding networking event. What is wedding networking? And so I go to the wedding networking event and I started emceeing and DJing those events. And then I met this other lady who introduced me to this one lady who said, go to corporate alliance. And I go to corporate alliance and I start learning about the corporate world. And I'm uh, mixing and mingling with people there. And then I start doing more corporate events and I start developing my corporate game show. It's called the best game show ever. And then I met my friend Lita Green, who was a makeup artist, but I had no idea that Lita was a speaker. And we did an event together. I was asked to MC my first gala by a friend that I met, Elon's Dort, through Corporate Alliance. Elon said, I believe you can do this. I'm like, oh, I've never done it before. He's like, and he just smiles. He's like, you can do this. And it was a gala for building schools and hospitals in Haiti for, for kids and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And then my friend Lita, who was a makeup artist, she spoke at that event. And I was like, wow, you are like legit. And she's like, I know, but she's funny. That's Lita for you. And I started following her and then, you know, we're on Facebook friends. And, and then I see in December, I believe of 20, 15 or 2014, I think it was. I think it was December 2014. She posts a picture of her playing the nose flute at a, an event. And I'm like, wait, where did you learn how to play? Who's teaching you how to play the nose flute? And I'm a, I'm a big nose flute aficionado. I can go grab it here in a minute. We can, I can play my nose flute, but I, I'm like nose fluting. That's the only instrument I can actually play other than pressing buttons on a DJ mixer. And she's like, oh, we did, we, we, we did this at NSA. What's NSA? The National Speakers Association. So this was in December. And then in December, January 2015, I went to my first NSA event. And I was like, oh, my people, right? <laughs> you know when you find your tribe? 
you have those moments. I've had, I have those moments like 20 times over, you know? Like, so anyway, I go to NSA and I'm like, ah, speakers, people who like to be on stage and give messages. I don't have a message, but I want to speak. And so I went and I went to my first meeting and I joined the next week. And so ever since then, I've been developing things. I've been masterminding. I've been looking for mentors. I've been constantly educating myself. Southern Utah University, their mantra, their motto, whatever it may be, it's called learning lives forever. And I'm constantly doing that. I am constantly taking workshops from people. I'm constantly getting coaching from people. And the reason I do this is so, one, that I can learn, and two, so I can have access. Access. This is where Rob's desire to learn evolves into a natural networking. At this point in the interview, Rob had suggested so many people that I ought to interview that were people he admired and could connect me with that it was becoming really clear to me. This is what networking should really be. Not a contrived situation of who do I need to know to get in such and such door, but this kind of grateful association or enthusiastic recommendation and all in the name of let's learn stuff. Let's meet amazing people and see what we can do. I always tell people, if, if you want to get into any type of performance or what do you want to do, if you want to be a performer or a entertainer, find somebody who can be your mentor. If I'm going to give somebody something that they can take away, an actual line of find a mentor. And I've often had people say to me, well, how do you find a mentor? Uh, find ones that are actually offering workshops or classes, approach people, say, you know, Liz, I, I admire what you do. I, I really think what you're doing is an amazing thing. I would love to learn more about what you do. Is there any, do you, do we do any type of coaching? And the great thing about it is when you actually pay for it, they're more invested in you because you invested in them. As weird as it may seem, because a lot of people who are mentors appreciate you know, giving advice. But once you pay for something, you are invested in that. And they are invested in you. You know, and I invested in training and coaching with Jason. And we, we're, we're great friends. And we were able to cultivate that friendship through that. But there's also a bit of respect and investment. And so anytime you invest in something, either it be in entertainment or whatever you do, people will give back. And now you have access. You can text them. You can call them and say, I have a problem. I have a this. And so I have gotten through my entertainment life because I've invested in people and they believed in me. And they often send me referrals or we work together, we collaborate together. And that's what this is all about, being able to collaborate with people that are your heroes. And that's an amazing thing. Surround yourself with amazing people. And that's what I did. That's what I've done. And like, I am surrounded by so many people that are better than me and are more smarter and more talented. I always say to people, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to get out of that room and find a new room. Okay. Cause if I am top dog and I'm always constantly like, Hey, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the crap, whatever, then you're in the wrong room. But what about being surrounded by people who are better than you? What about trying something you've never done before just because you want to do it? It's intimidating. It's, it's hard because I had to start over. You know, I, I've, I got into a place in the mobile DJ industry where I feel really confident where I am with my business. And then I 
started over in the speaking industry and I'm, I still feel like I don't have it yet. And so, but I'm constantly going to these conferences, I'm getting coaching and I'm trying to become better. And I think for those people that are feeling stagnant in life, find a different place to play, you know, but that's the thing is I'm always trying to take risks. I'm always trying to get out of my comfort zone and do different things. You know, uh, during the coronavirus time, I was able to go out and do social distancing dance parties because I was, I didn't want to be cooped up in my house. I wanted to connect with my community and I can connect via Facebook, I guess, or virtually, but I wanted to do something live because I wanted to share my talent, not necessarily share my talents, but share what brings me joy to others, which is music and dance. Rob gave me a preview of the TED talk he wants to give someday. It's good stuff. And you can hear it at the end of the episode as the episode extra. It's about the amazing synchronicity of music and dance. I think that's one of the things about you that I think is so much fun and really interesting is that you have a genuine sincerity, just like a real enthusiasm and a drive that even if you're not the academic type or the scholastic type or whatever, that doesn't stop you from uh, mastering a thing. I love being able to share and being able to let people be inspired. But what I've been inspired by, I don't think I'm like the most inspiring person, but I love to share what has inspired me to help people find their path. Being in this community in Utah, there's so many people that I love and I look up to. And it's fun just to be inspired by others and being able to create those friendships and being able to collaborate with them. You know, you know, you meet somebody kindred spirit and you're like, oh, and, and that's what this is all about. Community, creating community and building community and collaborating with people. And, and it's just something that I love and I'm passionate about. And so I definitely would have put you in the camp of Richie Stedman and a few others in terms of <laughs> your ability to hustle. Right. Which, which I don't, I mean, I guess there's maybe for some people negative connotations to hustle, but I recognize the value of that and also am incredibly intimidated by the connotations that I have with that word. Um, I think networking is scary. I think (laughs) um, I'm, I'm all about going after something that I'm interested in learning how to do it. But on a business approach to that, that gets a little, that gets a little tricky for me. I'm really good about that on an academic or a passionate level, but not on a networking kind of business level. So would you like some insights into that or? I mean, you, you break it down in a way that makes it not what I thought it would be in terms of like, okay, I need to meet that person so that I can accomplish this goal so that I can make this money and be invited to do this thing. And, and for you, obviously your, your backstory is organic, but you make it sound low pressure, completely authentic and driven by just an enthusiasm and a sincerity that for me takes all of the crap out of it. <laughs> all of the stuff that I don't want to do. Right. So there's one word that it all boils down to. And the word is relationships, but creating authentic relationships, wanting to learn from people. So, you know, everybody's hustle is very different in building those relationships. I'm trying to figure out how to create that relationship. You know, there are a lot of gatekeepers, you know, yes. Hustle for some people is maybe a dirty word, whatever. And sales, like sales, I don't like sales, but a, a, a friend of mine in the speaking industry, his name's Phil Gerbischak, good friend of mine. He talked about, he's like, Rob, you are in sales. You don't even know it. You're constantly selling yourself. 
And so part of my quote unquote hustle, if we call it a hustle, is being intentional with how I interact with people, how I treat people, how I'm remembered, how I made them feel, right? And people often say that in the speaking industry. They may not remember everything you said, but they will remember how they felt. You know, same with a, with a performance. There was a show that I saw at Hale Center Theater. It was uh, called Strictly Ballroom. And I love the movie, but I remember the feeling I felt after leaving that theater. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what I feel, you know? And my wife and I, we go to Broadway every year. We go see five or six shows. We are Broadway nuts. And we know how we feel after those shows. And that's what you're doing part of the hustle is leaving people with good feelings, good vibes, a genuine spirit about you sharing a part of yourself. But I'm also very intentional with my social media. What I put out into the world, there was a day where I walked out of my office in a huff. My wife said to me, what's wrong? Was somebody wrong on the internet again? And I, I was like, yeah, you, she's right. I'm being stupid. And I, I got in an argument over politics with somebody that I admire, but I don't admire his politics. And I just quit. And I quit fighting. And I, what did I put out into the social media universe was just positivity and fun. Today, I just posted me reading a storybook online for boondocks where I'm reading what does the fox say to kids, virtual thing, but I'm trying to put out positive things in the universe. So people are eventually saying, I see what you're doing online. Now you're top of mind awareness. And in the vicinity of our conversation about social media and top of mind awareness, the other valuable takeaway that I got from the producer's webinar was echoing in my head. He talked about how nobody is buying anything right now. Don't sell. Consider instead what you can do for free. Create what you can afford to create for free. Because you're not going to be able to sell anything, even if it's worth buying. And if you can create for free right now, well, that naturally helps out with top of mind awareness. So for those of you who want more gigs, be top of mind of people. So put out things like, here I am doing this thing. Here is one of my coaches. This is somebody I admire. Look what else this person is doing. Not only highlighting yourself, but highlighting the people you've surrounded yourself with and the people that you admire. Yesterday, I put a post up of my, my assistant, the person who I met in college through improv and theater, who introduced me to my wife at a theater I was doing improv at. Put things out into the universe. So like, as we were talking about, the hustle. How, how are you going to make a career out of this? Tell people what you do and what you want to be doing. This is something I stumbled on a handful of years ago. One January, I put out this long bucket list thinking I would work on it over the rest of my life. A couple of friends reached out after seeing it and said, hey, I can help you with that. Or I wanted to do that too. Let's do that together this year. As a result, I did a bunch of those things, including aerial silk and running a Spartan super race, and I did them that year with the support of my friends. I may never really have gotten around to doing some of those things, but not only did I do them, I did them sooner and, and better and having more fun than I would have without putting those goals out there. When I started doing the social distancing dance parties... Other DJs were like, ooh, I want to do that. I'm like, well, what, what is your motivation, 
right? What is your why? You know, it all goes back to Simon Sinek, the why, you know, the why, or define what your why is. Once he asked me that, I, I, I was like, what is your purpose? Do you want to make money? Because I, I understand making money, but I, my, my why was it was to spread joy. And I, I only take donations, you know, but I was able to go to communities and connect with my community in a different way, in a unique way. And I know pe- people are asking me like, Rob, you should be doing this. You should be doing these social, you should do these online virtual dance parties. And I was like, I could do that. Or I could do this, where I go to a community and actually interact with them from six feet away, but interact with them nonetheless. And we cycle back. Rob knows what he's about, and that's why live performance is the thread through the whole myriad of work that he's done. Hustle is really robbed of icky connotations when it's built on doing the thing you see as your foundation, the thing you personally want or need to do. I think it is doing it in your most unique way that is authentic to you, right? We see a lot of imitators, a lot of people trying to find that magic bullet or trying to find that, that secret sauce, you know, every, and I've asked that question to other people. I'm like a a good friend of mine, Mr. John Petz, and he is a MC magician, entertainer, speaker. And I'm watching him I'm like, I want to do what you do. What is the secret sauce? And he's like, you know what, Rob, there isn't. It's, it's this. It's just years and years of hard work. What's your ultimate value-based way of deciding what you're going to do and why you're doing it? That for me was figuring out what is right for me, you know, being authentic to myself and my entertainment and to who I am. Whenever somebody performs on the stage and you get those vibes and you're like, ah, the energy, like that's for me, that's where I come from. My energy is from people. I have to be in a room. I'm sucking their energy to feed my energy to perform, right? That's what needs, and that's what's so hard about doing things virtually. You know, during the coronavirus time, you know, doing everything virtually was a little bit harder, but that is what it's for me. So back to your original question, doing things that are authentic to you. So my wife always says to me, like, I don't like that word. That's such a buzzword, authentic, but I don't know a better way to say it. Yeah. It's like, that it's true to me. Right. And so if you're doing a thing and you always, you always see that it's like Dave Chappelle. Let's think about Dave Chappelle. He got offered gods and gods of money. I think it was to do his third season of Chappelle show and he walked away. Right. Because he just couldn't do it. He just, his heart wasn't in it. He just felt like that was not true to himself. And it's always interesting when you see a performer and entertainer walking away from the stage and you're just like, what? They were so amazing. But they get to a point where like, my heart's not in it anymore. That's the thing is do something that is true to you. And that's why I love speaking now. Um, I still love DJing and I still love being in front of an audience, but to be perfectly honest, I just want to be on the stage in front of people. So whatever that medium or platform is, I can, I can use. And that's why I love doing game shows. I love giving away money. I love hearing the roar of the crowd. I, I love having the energy of people. Thank you to my guest, Rob Foray. Oh, thank you so much for letting me interview you, especially yeah. over Zoom, which is not my typical way of doing it. You usually do it in person. So. I do. Yeah. I have a really mobile kit. And so if people don't want to come to my studio, I can go to them. Thank you for this opportunity for me to share. Last week, In the Telling released a socially distant film production of Hamlet on YouTube. Check it out as an example of what theater artists can get up to in a time when theatrical productions are untenable. 
And, you know, we need to practice our craft, and nobody's buying anything anyway. You can find out more about In the Telling at lizzylizzyliz.com. Or check out the In the Telling podcast channel on YouTube for bonus content. Theme music by Gordon Vitas. In the Telling is hosted and produced by me, Liz Christensen. Thank you for listening. Maybe people are listening to this two years later, but uh, I, I have a TED Talk that, uh, that has yet to be given. It's called Musical Empathy and how we can bring together through the medium of music. Music is the universal is a universal language. Like if I were to play a certain song here, certain parts of the world, they would know that same song. You know, they may not understand my politics. They may not understand my religion. They may not understand my beliefs, but they will understand my groove, the music that I play. So I've identified certain songs all around the world that bring people together. You know, if I were to play a song in the United States, and if I were to play Sweet Caroline, everybody would have the same reaction. If I were to go, Sweet Caroline. Bum, bum, bum. Exactly. Everybody does that around the world. Not the around the world. Around the United States. It's, a, it's more a United States thing. If I were to go to Africa, I, I doubt they would do that. But I've identified different songs and different grooves that people can sing along to. Like, There's one type of connection that we don't really see in any other type of connection in music. Music is synchronistic. If we were to start singing happy birthday together, we're now singing and vocalizing the same words at the same time, the same notes, if notes are relative, but we could be doing it and it's synchronistic. And that type of communication connection, I believe really only happens with music in, on a mass level. I mean, dancing is the same thing. So it turns into it, you know, music and dance, right? So these are things that I'm passionate about. So I'm trying to do my case studies and becoming an expert. And I don't know, I'm not much of a scholastic type, but this is what I'm working on. And these are things that I'm passionate about. And I love to be able, the opportunities to share those things because I've seen other people give TED Talks. And I said to myself, I want to do that.